This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. All right, guys, welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast. As always, presented by our good friends over at Scentlock. Scentlock is a good partner to Bear Archery, good friends of mine. They make incredible gear. And if you're gearing up for turkey season, which is what we're going to be talking today, you've got to check out Blocker, which is another brand owned by Scentlock. And they have some phenomenal turkey gear. So go check out Scentlock, Blocker, um, Oz by Scentlock, and all of their brands, Tree Spider, um, because they are phenomenal. I've got a good friend of mine. I've got Mr. Chris Parrish. Chris, how are you, man? Doing good, buddy. How are you? You know... It's uh, one of those days where you wake up and it just feels like turkey season, you know? Yeah, if this rain and cold weather would ever stop, I'd probably get a little more in the mood for it. But every now and again, we catch a good day and I hear a turkey gobble and, yeah, the sparks start flying. Now, you're kind of a turkey-like freak. Well, <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I kind of made my way in the outdoor industry because of turkey calling and turkey hunting and, you know, but I, I like doing it all. just spring of the year is a special time of year and when turkeys gobble and strut it, you know a guy can't help but get out there and chase them around a little bit yeah now real quick before we jump in give mm-hmm. us an introduction to yourself i know you've been on the show several times uh but just in case you're just now tuning in uh what's your role there at bear archery um chris parish and i'm a uh, product manager for bear archery i uh, oversee the uh traditional archery line, the crossbow line, and the bow fishing line. And then, you know, all of us have something to do with a little bit of everything. So so you're responsible for everything that goes right. <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, typically it's everything that goes wrong, but <laughs> that's just part of it. <laughs> now, you said you got your start in the outdoor industry through turkey call. And how'd that work? Real good. I was very blessed. I uh, I was able to win 11 Grand National Championships, 10 World, four Mid-America Opens, three U.S. Opens, and tons of other stuff. And uh, actually this year, and I don't want to talk too much about that because I don't really 
it's not a big deal. But this year I was finally inducted into the NWTF Hall of Fame. So I've, really uh, come full circle. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I had not heard that yet. Now, what? here's what I want to do. I, You know, I enjoy hunting anything. Like if it's open, let's go hunt, you know. Um, sure. However, I don't cut my teeth on turkeys. Um, you know, really, I'll probably go once a year if a buddy uh, wants to go. So talk me into turkey. Like, why? What's the addiction? What's the obsession with turkeys? Well, I think the big thing with turkeys that probably has it uh, for some people over deer is the communication level. Obviously, turkeys gobble, they call, hens call. Um, it is breeding season, but you know, when they're in their peak breeding mode, they can be pretty tough to call. Um, so uh, the interaction with the calling has a lot to do with what makes turkeys so much fun. You know, as a deer hunter, and I'm, I'm a major deer hunter as well, and I love hunting big mature bucks. But as you well know, Dylan, there's a lot of times when you're sitting in that stand and it's hours upon hours upon hours and zero action. And then that one five second interval and you finally put an arrow through a big deer. It's not always you know, that wonderful rut frenzy where typically when you're hunting turkeys, it's not every day that you're going to get on gobbling turkeys. But generally, as long as the weather's consistent, whether it's consistent on the rainy side or consistent on the clear side, you're going to have pretty consistent gobbling and you're going to have opportunities to work birds and you're going to hear turkeys gobble and you're kind of going to be in the game. And and it's a chess match, you know, because you call, they call, they make a move, you make a move. I mean, it it's a, it's very active and very interactive. And I think, therefore, that's what the attraction is to turkey hunting. Yeah. I mean, you get more of a, um, you know, running gun style hunt. And uh, for guys in the Midwest, that's kind of sought after because, you know, most of what we do is not that style. And so um, I see the appeal in it and, and I'm like, man, I really want to do it. But then at the end of the day, you're like, it's a bird, you know, um, now. It's a big bird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, where's your favorite, like, what's your favorite state to, tur to turkey hunt in? Oh, uh, I've been fortunate to hunt 33 of them and they're, wow. all, they're all fun. Um, obviously they're more fun if you're on turkeys, but to be quite honest with you, if I had to pick one state that was probably my overall favorite state to either hunt whitetails or turkeys in, it's going to be Kansas. I, I love, I love hunting Kansas. It's a kind of a target rich environment. Now I've not hunted Western Kansas much where you have more of your Rio flavored turkeys. Uh, most of mine has been, and I've hunted Rio's in Kansas a few times, but most of mine's more on the Eastern side of Kansas where I'm hunting Eastern birds or you'll get into some hybrids. But uh, there's just a good number of turkeys there. Uh, of course, I grew up hunting in Missouri, and Missouri's good. But Missouri's been a lot of hit and miss over the years, uh, just due to some uh, the nature of uh, the beast. Turkeys go in cycles. And it seems like, though they've cycled a little bit in Kansas as well, their cycles have never hit the low levels like they have in Missouri. And there's always been a good ample of bunch of birds to hunt. And I've always had a lot of property that I've had, I've, you know, been blessed to have access to in Kansas and, and some of it being public, but just not as many hunters, not as many turkey hunters. Yeah. Um, I want to make note. I had a buddy, uh, two years ago, um, mm. in Kansas and he called me and he, and he said, dude, I just got a double opening day. And I'm like, that's awesome, man. Congrats. And, uh, and he calls me back just a little bit later and he's like, dude, Hey, listen, don't, 
don't post anything about that. I'm like, what do you mean? And uh, he said, well, I just figured out that for the first time in my life, um, it's a one turkey county uh, or one turkey zone, I should say. And uh, and I'm like, oh, crap. And he's like, well, I've called the game warden and the game warden said, you know, hey, first time in 30 years that we've moved it to one turkey. It keeps happening. No problem. Uh, so I want to make note with seasons kicking off um, as you begin to plan your turkey hunts. Um, with some states already being open, some states are already hunting. Um, you guys have to go check out seasonreport.com. Uh, seasonreport.com has become one of my very best friends. You can go to Season Report and try it for completely free. But what it does for you is you can save the counties that you hunt uh, down to the county, and then you can pull up those those all the state rules, regulations dates, bag limits, everything you need to see about hunting in that county on one easy to use platform. You don't have to go through state clunky websites. You can look at it through calendar view and it's really going to help you plan your hunts. And it's really going to make sure that no matter what you're in the know and you're following and abiding by the rules, you can go over to season report, try it for completely free. Um, and I'm fully confident you'll love it. Then you can put in code hunting 101 and it's going to make that entire platform just 10 bucks for the entire year. I've spent 10 bucks on a lot of things, Chris, <laughs> but I've never yeah. spent 10 bucks that'll keep me out of out of trouble with the law. Uh, so go check out hunting or I'm um, go check out seasonreport.com code hunting 101 for just 10 bucks. Um, have you completed the turkey slam? Yes, I have multiple times. The, the world slam or just the North American slam? Just the North American slam. Um, I've had invitations to go to Mexico and other places. And uh, at the times that I had the invitations, things were not traveling well in Mexico. Um, so I elected not to take the opportunity or the chance. Um, probably in the near future, I wouldn't mind doing it. But now we've got ghouls that were capable of hunting in Arizona. And uh, I'll probably try to take a chance on that at some point. To be quite honest with you, even though I've been blessed enough to kill a few slams, that never was really, it kind of early on was my goal, but it never was really my my biggest deal. Um, I kind of wanted to, at one point, try to kill a turkey in, in you know, all the states that were available to hunt them in and, uh, and possibly even go to Hawaii and kill one, you know, like a family vacation. But I've kind of gotten to the point where chasing turkeys like that and spending money on on going and killing a turkey because i've been so so blessed to kill so many birds over the years i mean that was part of my job when i worked for night and hail was to you know to hunt and do stuff on video so i got to see enough of that that uh, i'm to the point now where i get a kansas tag and i get a missouri tag and and i go out and i shoot a couple of birds in a year and i watch a couple of guys are able to call one in for my son or my wife or something i've, I've had that's my fun. I'm good with that. I've, you know, I'm past the stage of thinking I've got to go out and I still want to chase them around. I still want to go call some in. I still want to watch them do their thing, but I don't have to, I don't have to go out and shoot a bunch of them to feel like I've had a good season. Well, Chris, uh, you know, I want to help you out. And so if you ever need somebody to call turkeys for you, just come to Kansas and you can call turkeys for me anytime you want. I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> I, I'm, coming to, I'm coming to Kansas in April. So, in late right. April. Yeah. Well, you know, I know it's your passion to call them. So I just want to be there for you to help you out. So you just come yeah. by and you can call turkeys for me anytime you want. <laughs> now, uh, what is your favorite? What's your favorite subspecies to hunt? Easterns by far. 
Why? Why is that? Oh, they just they're booming gobble, and of course that's what I grew up with, and you know I love the terrain that they live in. You know, a lot more hardwoods. Um, I like that kind of stuff. I just, you know, I mean I've hunted them all, and and they can all be a lot of fun, but I just have a partial to to easterns. Right now, you said that you wanted to. That was kind of a personal goal to kill them in every state uh, or hunt them in every state. Uh, how far off are you from that? Well, I've shot them in 33 different states, so I'm a little ways off. And 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 really, like I said, that passion to do that's kind of fallen off to the wayside. I'd rather go spend my money chasing elk or doll sheep or grizzly yeah. bear or something like that rather than chasing a turkey. Um, you know, I mean, it's a cool thing, and I commend those guys that have done it are, are in, and are still in pursuit of that, you know, but um, it's just not at the top of my list anymore. As I get older – those those big game animals, the bigger game animals become a little more important than than the turkey to me. Yeah. Well, and, you know, to me, some guy asked me, um, I don't remember who it was. He said, Dylan, if you could only chase one species for the rest of your life, what would it be? And I said, it would have to be whitetails. And he said, really, why? And I said, because, A, I live in whitetail country. You know, if I pick mule deer or elk or bear, then I have to travel and I don't get to hunt them as much. But if I pick whitetail, you know, I live in whitetail country. Um, and, and the same is kind of true with turkeys. You know, why not while we're young and still spry and can still get up the mountains and still travel and still let's go chase, you know, the the elk and everything right now because we can hunt turkeys long into our, our old age. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. And, you know, uh, again, it's a, it's fun and it's interactive. And I think that's the attraction to it. That's what but that's what I've always enjoyed. You know, when I've killed them in every different way shape form or fashion that that is legal to kill him in but there's nothing like calling to an old gobbler in the hardwoods and him gobbling and strutting and coming in and and he's totally fooled he's he totally thinks you're the real thing and he's coming in there to see if he can get him a date and it that that to me is the most fun when it comes to turkey hunting yeah now is well i want to kind of get into tips and tricks of turkey hunting um (laughs) my my hope for this chris is that um, somebody will listen and, and get that turkey spark of, do I need to go try this? Um, maybe they haven't ever tried it or maybe that, you know, it's fallen by the wayside and they haven't done it in a long time. Uh, and they'll get that kind of turkey spark in them and want to go out and chase turkeys this spring. Um, so give me a little bit of tips and tricks. Um, let, let's start with scouting. Like, how do you locate the birds? W- what kind of process do you go through to locate birds? and know where they're at well the one thing to start off with that i found a lot of times when you're deer hunting you know you you see a lot of turkeys right so don't always think that those turkeys you see in the fall are going to stay in that area they'll split up they'll move off uh oftentimes you won't even have turkeys or very few turkeys on a farm in the spring of the year so you can't always count on that however if you've if you've been out and and uh, in the spring of the year, and you've turkey hunted before, you kind of have a pretty good idea from years past what turkeys are doing. So the most important thing I do, like if I'm going to a new property and I'm scouting a new property for the first time, I'll get out there very early in the morning before they start gobbling. I always try to get up, if I can, to the highest point on on in the area, whether it be public land or private land. I, I want to get up where I can hear. So, and, and, you know, by an aerial photo, you can easily look and see the drainages and the likely areas that turkeys will roost. You know, they love to roost over a creek. They love to roost on the edge of a ridge. 
you know, different things like that. So locate those areas, get up in a high spot, listen that morning and get a good idea where they're, where they're located at. And that's always a good starting point, you know, and, and I think, um, a lot of people don't scout probably hard enough to really understand or, or they'll hear some turkeys gobble in the morning and they'll go, Oh, there's two roosted there. There's one roosted there. Okay. I got it. Well, that can change. They can move around. And then what are they doing after they hit the ground? Right. You know, are they going to a, they go into an open field or they going up onto a hardwood ridge or, you know, where are the hens going to feed, where are the hens nesting at, those gobblers are following those hens around like they've got a string connected to them. So, you know, spend some time listening to what they're doing after they fly down, you know, give it an hour or so if you've got time to do it and kind of figure out the travel direction and kind of what they're doing. At that point, you'll have a good idea. Say if you don't, you know, if you don't connect with one right off the roost, then you kind of have a pretty good idea where they're going to go to spend later that morning and you can get around and get a, a different setup and get in front of them and be kind of in, in the ball game again. So that's kind of how I like to use my scouting. I want to make sure I know where to start at. I want to make sure kind of where I need to go if I do happen to fail that morning and I need to make a different setup and make a move on these turkeys. What What's my likely area to go set up in that I'm going to have the better chance of, of making something happen. Now, does it, does it change this is a stupid question, I think, but um, hunting morning and evening, does that change the way that you, you scout and prepare for the hunt? Well, yeah, evening hunting is a little bit different because obviously you're dealing with turkeys that have likely been in and around uh, hens or other turkeys all day long. And then they're, you know, they're working their way back towards where they're going to roost. And depending on what's happened during that day, it may not be always where they were roosted that morning. You know, they could have gotten split up by a coyote. Somebody else, if it's public land, could have walked in there and spooked them. They could be roosting, you know, heck, a mile away if that's the case. So later in the afternoon, what I like to do is I like to get out and kind of work the fringes of an area, keeping myself in cover, you know, using my binoculars to look and then occasionally calling to see if I can get one to gobble and get a good idea where he's at. And then I'll make a move in and kind of figure out, okay, hey, this turkey is gobbling over here. He's a half a mile from where he was roosted. There's a chance he'll go back to roost, you know, where he was roosted this morning, but there's a chance he'll roost over in that area. So a lot of times I'll split the distance, but yeah, I do approach it differently um, all the way around. I mean, it, whether it's, you know, mid afternoon, mid afternoon, I'm going to, I'm going to be likely just, you know, if the area, if turkeys have moved off, I'm actually going to likely be just kind of easing and calling and trying to locate and trying to find that turkey that's willing to work and maybe he's gotten away from a hen and now he's gotten burnable again so you know there's def definitely different methods in how you approach uh during the day and there's different methods in how you approach during the season you know right now if you drive around dylan you'll probably see pretty good flocks of turkeys you'll see gobblers with hens and jakes and everybody's kind of flocked up they're trying to figure out who the you know who the who the boss is going to be and they're going to split up in their in their more smaller breeding bunches, and as they do that, then they've got different areas on the farm, or they may, you know, one bunch may move off to a different farm, and now you're you're working less turkeys. There's 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 less of them to deal with. They get into that pre peak breeding mode, and things get a little quiet. The gobbling isn't as ten, isn't as intense. The the hen talk isn't as intense, and then as the season progresses, the hens start fading off and start going to the nest and laying eggs. As that happens, that opens up those gobblers at 9, 10, 11 o'clock. 
then all of a sudden they're looking around and there's no hens around. Now they've been with a hen every day, most of the day, and now they're without a hen and now they become vulnerable to calling again. And then, you know, a lot of times the hen will go and lay the egg and she's not setting yet on the nest. So then she's back off the nest later that afternoon. And then you'll find gobblers with, with hens later in the afternoon. And then they go and they roost fairly close to one another and it all starts over again. So keeping a progressive eye on the progression of the season also leads you into how you want to set up and work those turkeys and, and the areas you need to hunt in. Now, when you get to the actual setup of the hunt, and I, I think personally this is um, largely based on um, type of area that you're hunting, um, and maybe you can expand on on that. But once you figure out, okay, here's the birds, this is what I need to be doing, uh, walk me through the setup of that, you know, the, the set, blinds, decoys, um, and again, I know that's that's largely dependent on kind of the area and the layout of what you're hunting in the area that you found birds. Uh, but once you have nailed down, okay, this is where I need to be, um, walk me through kind of the setup of, of the hunt. Well, if I'm going in early of the morning and I have a really good idea that a turkey's roosting, say, X spot, um, I'm going to get really tight on that turkey. I'm going to try to get under 100 yards and 60 yards if I can. Terrain features are going to figure that out. Cover of the cover and the cover of darkness, all that has a lot to do with it. Um, but I'm going to get really tight on that turkey, especially if I've been fortunate enough to roost him that evening and I know pretty much what limb he's setting on. Now, I'm not going to get so tight that I, you know, I'm afraid to move, but I'm going to get tight enough that I'm going to try to eliminate the hen factor or the human factor, if you will, if I'm hunting public land. And I love to hunt public land. I love that challenge of birds that have been worked by other people. I think it's a, you know, it's like hunting public land, big public land deer. I mean, if you can fool them, you can fool anything on God's green earth. But uh, I like to get close to the turkey regardless of what the deal is. If it's later in the morning, um, if I get one located or I spot one, I'm going to try to get inside that 100, 125 yard bubble before I start working that turkey if I can, simply because I'm trying to eliminate the hen factor, the issues of maybe me calling turkey goblin, he's hesitant, all of a sudden the hen comes into view, she'll walk him off because that's just the way the nature of the beast is. So I think the biggest mistake people make is they don't they don't hunt aggressive enough to get close enough to the turkey before they start calling. You know, they'll hear a turkey gobble and they'll sit 300 yards away. They start calling to him. Well, in 300 yards, especially if you don't have a visual, you have no idea that turkey shuts up and you don't know whether you did something wrong, whether a hen came in, whether a coyote or a bobcat bumped, you have no idea. So I try to eliminate as much of those factors as I can. You can't always do that, but I try to. So your setup is critical, no different than hanging a stand in a funnel for, for a whitetail. You know, where you set your rear end down a lot of time indicates whether that turkey is actually going to come in or not. So say you located a turkey, let's say at 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, you you drove up to this place, you got out of your vehicle, you threw a crow call out, <clears throat> turkey gobbled 300 yards away. So I'm going to work my way in and try to get as close to that as I think I can. Then I'm going to look the terrain features over because sometimes turkeys feel comfortable coming into an area and sometimes they don't feel com comfortable coming into an area. If it's a situation where that turkey is in an open field, um, obviously I've got to figure out what's the closest point that I can get to him without bumping him or being seen that I can set up 
and possibly get a decoy set up because it is an open field situation and start working this turkey. If it's in the hardwoods, if it's in, in any kind of timber, I don't want to be in this super thick spot that I can't see and I can't move. And I don't know, you know, I can't get a visual on the turkey coming in till the last second night. You know, my gun may be pointed slightly wrong because he comes in silent or, he, you know, he quits gobbling. So I want to be where at least I can see 30 or 40 or 50 yards where I can, you know, kind of get a visual on this turkey where, you know, at some point I can get the gun around when he goes behind a tree or he struts and gets his head behind his fan or something like that. And also don't want to be in such open terrain that because I don't like using decoys in the woods that the turkey comes in and gets to a hundred yards or 75 yards and he stops and he can see, you know, 300 yards down through the woods and, and he doesn't see a hen, he doesn't see anything. And he locks up because he's played the game and he's waiting for the hen to come to him. So there's a lot of variables. But let's let's go to another scenario. Let's say you're easing through there and you make a crow call or you make a call and a turkey gobbles right over the hill from you. So many times guys will just set right up and they'll start working that turkey. Well, the turkey will skirt around that area and come around from the right or the left or maybe circle completely around behind you. A lot of times it's because the terrain feature in front, either there's a a ditch or something he doesn't want to follow or it's really thick and he don't want to come up through there. He wants to come up in an area where he can see. Sometimes you're too close and you need to back up a little bit and open the terrain up and get into a comfort, an area that's comfortable for the turkey to work up into. So that stuff is really more something I can't necessarily like teach over a podcast as much as you have to experience right. it. You get an idea of going, oh man, I set up in the wrong spot or you didn't know there was a hog wire fence between you and the turkey. And he decides on this day, after every other day in the world, he's crossed that fence. He decides on this day, I'm not going to cross that fence. Right. So he stands on the other side of the fence and he struts back and forth gobbling at you and not coming in. And you're sitting there going, why is this turkey not coming? Why is he not coming? And then finally yeah. you get up and you go look after a while because he's left and you go, oh crap, there was a fence there. So scouting and getting an idea of what you're looking at as far as terrain features is a really good idea because you want to eliminate those obstacles as much as you can. Now, um, I got a couple questions, but before that, quick thank you to our friends over at Boning. Um, Boning makes all of the tools that you need to fletch and build your own arrows. They also make all of the components that you need to build your own arrows. And I am of the opinion that uh, building arrows is a lost art. We just expect somebody else to build them. Um, that or we just build them out and we run with it. We never experiment to figure out what's best, to figure out what fletching configuration stabilizes that arrow quicker. You guys, go check out Boning for all of your arrow building needs and all of your arrow components. Uh, they also have some incredible Fred Bear branded products with their Fred Bear branded uh, flannel wraps and their Fred Bear camo, which is just incredibly looking. Um, so go check out Boning. Um, they also have some really cool tools just for, for shooting out in the backyard with some stools and pocket quivers and, and things of that sort. So go check them out. Um Chris, you said no decoys. Why no decoys? I I don't use decoys in the woods for uh, some couple of particular reasons, especially if I'm hunting public land, just because the factor of uh, somebody could sneak in on you and you don't necessarily know where they're at. You know, you're in the woods. Ah. But two, the big factor really is, even on private land, 
oftentimes when you set the decoys up, you know, in the woods, just if it's very thick at all, you set them up and you, they're fairly close to you. Let's say they're 25 yards from you. Oftentimes a turkey will come in and they're coming in and it's fairly thick and their attention is on where the calling is coming from. And you would think they would likely see those decoys, but a lot of times they don't if it's very thick and they'll, they'll say they pop up over a ridge and they're 10 yards from the decoys and the decoys are 25 yards from you. I've had them oftentimes, even though they're in range, but I've had them oftentimes pop up and those decoys are just basically right in their face. I kind of attribute it to you like you walking into somebody in the dark, nobody's got a light on and, and right. all of a sudden they go boo and you're like, oh crap, I didn't know you were there. And that happens to the turkeys. They walk up there, pop up, all of a sudden those decoys are right in their face. And sometimes it has a little bit of that, oh, factor to it and kind of spooks them a little bit. So I let, now if I got a logging road or an open glade or something that's fairly open that can, they can be seen for a ways. And I feel like, Hey, you know, this will be a great asset. I'll utilize them. Open field situations. While I've killed a lot of turkeys without a decoy in open fields, just because the terrain features were right. Um, I like to use them in open field situations because oftentimes that visual is the only thing that's going to break that turkey and make him come on in there. And sometimes, especially if you're using um, a starting gobbler decoy, it gets a little bit later in the season. They've already got their hierarchy established. Unless you're really dealing with a dominant bird, sometimes it'll have a little bit of an effect, a bad effect on, on gobblers. They don't want to come to it, especially if it's a a two-year-old or three-year-old bird that's had his rear end kicked a little bit. But another thing to think about is, and I think in a lot of the areas, we've had a pretty good hatch. I know Missouri's had a great hatch. Kansas had a phenomenal hatch. Lots of jakes this year. Lots of young birds. When you have a lot of young birds and maybe you haven't had a good hatch for a couple of years, you're a little bit shy on having adult gobblers. And these jakes are kind of like schoolboys on the playground. They'll gang up and they'll run an old gobbler around. So when I'm hunting an area that I know a lot of jakes exist at, I'll shy away from a jake decoy and just use hen decoys. Uh, because a lot of times that gobbler, he just doesn't, you know, he sees the one jake decoy and he's like, okay, where's the buddies at that's been chasing me around for two days and, right. and give it a fit. So, you know, just understanding that methodology makes it more uh, effective when you are choosing where and when to use a decoy. I believe in them. I think they're a great tool and a great asset, especially for the bow hunter, because you're trying to take that turkey's eye away from you drawing your bow. Even if you're in a blind, you know, you can still get busted. But, you know, um, use them in the right spots, in the right manners, uh, in the right configuration during how the, the, the year is timing out, and, and you'll be more successful with your decoy setup. Speaking of bows, um What's the best practices for shot placement with bows? Well, you know, a lot of people, I, I totally do not agree with most of the tin rings on turkey targets. Um, I've been pretty fortunate. I've killed, uh, I think, 42 turkeys with a bow now. And um, that tin ring is, is, is up a little high and a little forward, let's say, on a broadside turkey target. So unless you're shooting a big expandable head, um, you're kind of getting out of the realm of where really the true vitals are. So the two shots, I'll say the two shots, I'll back up and say the three shots that 
that I totally prefer and that I have made it a very big practice of is if I'm shooting a turkey broadside, I come right straight up the leg and where the legs join the body at, you know, that highest point where the legs join the body at, I'll shoot right at that or just barely in front of that. And I'm doing two things. I'm taking a lot of arteries out. I'm getting into the vitals and I'm also taking the running gear out. So now I've gotten everything that keeps that turkey from getting away from me taken out. And it's usually a very quick, short death. And you can get it can't to the run. It can't fly. Exactly. So that, that that helps a lot. Probably my very favorite shot is if I can catch a turkey going away from me a little bit. And even if they're in full strut, if you'll just pull up uh, right above where the fan joins the back of the body, you'll be above the, the rear end there. But when the arrow goes in and penetrates, it's going right into the vitals. If you've ever dressed a turkey and you roll him over and you open him up and take his heart and lung and, and vitals out, they lay right up there pretty high. So that's that's probably my favorite shot. Plus, you're breaking the skeletal structure down and, you know, that that takes them out pretty quick as well. Um, my third shot is if I've got a turkey totally facing me, I like to come right down and it's it's a tight shot and you need to have him close if you don't shoot any better than I do. But come right down from where the waddles or the neck meet the feathers, especially when they're strutting because you've got a lot of meat there and put it right there. You're going right through the neck bone. You're going right into the vitals. It goes right into the vitals up high and you're basically taking everything out. It would be it would be in reverse, but similar to shooting a deer quartering away and hitting them in the last rib and taking everything out to the front shoulder. So it's a very vital shot. Now, some people like to shoot broadheads that are huge that, and they try to head shoot a turkey. And while that's very effective one, to be honest with you, I, I respect the bird and I really don't care to shoot his head off. I mean, that's part of the beauty of a, of a big gobbler is that red, white, and blue kind of American flag looking head. And, and two, um, unless you got that turkey in there 10 yards, um, it can be a pretty low percentage shot because they can move their head pretty quick and they're constantly on the go most of the time. So I choose to try to shoot a higher percentage shot and then make sure that I make a good shot. And if I'm shooting a compound, I'll shoot a big expandable head like the SICK SK2. Um, but if I'm shooting a recurve or, or any kind of a, a traditional bow, I like to just shoot the standard um, two blade. And the reason why is because you don't have the velocity. Um, and I like to be able to cut those wing feathers or any of those feathers that I would be shooting through really good. And two blade, you know, the penetration is fantastic. But I'll tell you with a uh, traditional bow, I like to have those turkeys up close and personal because uh, I have a tendency to fling arrows more so than hit what I'm shooting at. So. <laughs> I heard a guy one time, um, uh, well, it was, it was Dennis Dunn, uh, who has completed the North American, uh, super slam with a bare bow. And somebody was like, holy cow, man, you're just, that's how do you, and he's like, well, listen, I'm going to be quite honest with you. I have to be a really good hunter and get really good and get really close. Cause I suck at shooting. And, <laughs> and I thought, I'm like, well, thanks for the honesty. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you know, and guess what? You know, you sometimes you can sit up there and shoot targets all day long, but you put feathers or hair on the animal and it changes things a lot for some people. Yeah. I tend to not be a target shooter as I am an animal shooter, but that that, that maybe that's a blessing. <laughs> yeah. 
Absolutely. And there's some guys you shoot with them and you're like, how do you kill stuff? But, but when it comes time to kill that, you know, they just, they make a shot and they kill the animal. Um, God and, guided. Then you, and then the opposite. <laughs> do what? God guided arrows. <laughs> yeah. And, and then you've got the opposite of guys who you're like, holy crap, man, you're, you're, you're dialed in. And then you see them on an animal and it's just like, what, what just happened? Like, yeah, I, that's I, what I, 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 I only practice 3Ds. Um, I know some guys, you know, they want to practice dots. I only practice 3Ds and I don't shoot for score. I shoot to kill the animal. Um, that's just my preference, though. Well, there's never an animal ran around with an orange spot on its side or an X on its side. And I, right. you know, I sight, <clears throat> I sight my bows in or I shoot to get my groups to find out whether I'm dead on or not. And then from then on, I'm. I'm nothing but a 3D type shooter, animal type shooter. I got a lot of targets in my yard and, and I do a lot of stump shooting too. Even, even with a compound, I use uh, judo points and, uh, you know, shoot tufts of grass and stuff like that and practice yardage judging and, and just quick, you know, keep your hand and eye coordination um, all in, in good shape. Uh, it, I think you're only as good as the practice that you, that you do, you know, I mean, yeah. if you don't practice, um, you, you're going to set yourself up for failure. Yeah. My wife kind of hates it because I have kind of a, I've got a Delta McKenzie, uh, shooting I have a little bit of a 3d addiction. So I think I'm up to 10 in the backyard. Um, and the last one I added was a standing black bear. And so, uh, like day two of having it, my wife woke up real early. It's still dark. And she walks out and she sees a standing figure in the backyard and she's like, ah, and like freaks out and like running gets me. I'm like, it's a target, Chrissy, calm down. Um, but yeah, yeah, she she kind of gets uh flustered sometimes. Um, are you do you implement a lot of optics into your turkey hunting? Well, I'm always carrying a good set of binoculars. I mean, anybody that hunts, you should carry a set of binoculars no matter what you're doing, unless you're just you know, you're bird hunting. I even carry them when I'm waterfowl hunting just because I like to identify the, the species of the bird, but. Yeah. Um, I'm always going to carry optics with me. Uh, and, uh, as far as like, uh, uh, obviously archery shooting, I'm just shooting regular sights, but you know, if I'm shotgun hunting, I do have a, uh, <clears throat> a red dot on my gun. And the reason why is because one, I'm 54 years old and I don't see as well as I used to. <laughs> uh, and secondly, um, these, these Turkey guns today with the tight chokes and the, and the ammo, um, they shoot so tight up close and generally, uh, the gun doesn't shoot perfect point of aim. And because of that, I choose to make sure it shoots. I want to take and eliminate every factor that I can out of, you know, me having the fault and something happens. Well, that's just the way it goes. But, you know, and then now you go to dealing with shooting a traditional bow and, uh, that's all hand-eye coordination, and that's just practice constantly, and 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 try to make perfect practice constantly. And that, you know, I you know I I started out shooting a, a traditional bow years ago, was able to kill several animals with it, and then you know got away from it. Now I'm kind of back to it, and it just it's constant practice, you know, just constant practice if you want to be successful with one. And those guys that are, and kudos to them, they they they're my heroes. Yeah. No, the reason I ask is, is I did, I got that question, uh, a while back about optics for, for turkey hunting. And I told him, I said, well, I, I always have optics. Um, but I do, what I do is, and, and everybody knows that I'm a, a huge fan of co-optics. 
but what I do is I switch, um, I switch out my binos, uh, for a bigger, you know, I switch from my bigger, you know, 10.5 by 44s. Uh, I switch those for a, you know, a, a somewhere in the 32 by eight range, just a smaller pack, um, smaller, lighter pair of binos, just because I, you know, I am running and gunning. I'm moving around a lot more than sitting in a tree stand. I don't, I, I don't have to see as far usually. And so, um, I just switch out for a smaller, um, more compact line of, uh, of, of binoculars. Now yep. I do, I do also, I, I implement a little bit of spotting scope. You know, if I'm sitting in my truck, uh, trying to locate birds, um, I, I have a really small, um, it's a 55 from Koa really small. I can, I can click, clip it on the window of my truck. And that way, if I do hear birds, um, I can, you know, kind of, kind of pull in on where they're at exactly and, and, and locate them in the top of those trees with, the, with a spotter. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think anybody, if you're in the woods, you should always have binos. Uh, but somebody just sent me that, that, uh, message, uh, this week of, of what, what, what optics do you run for turkey hunting? And so, uh, that's, that's what I do at least. Yeah, I always run a set of compacts. Mine are uh, seven by 32s and, uh, I've had them for years and years and years and years and years. And I've just adopted those to be my turkey hunting, uh, optics. They're lightweight. They don't take up much room, you know, and, um, a lot of times you'll spot a turkey out in the field, won't be strutting or anything, and it's 400 yards away. And it's always good to know that if you're going to make a move on it, am I looking at a hen, a jake, or a gobbler? You know, and so yeah. that gives you an idea you're not going to waste your time or do I need to go waste my time and figure out what I need to do here? So, you know, it's always a good idea to do that. Yeah. Um, so just so um, I told that, that, that gentleman that, he could listen in today and hear mine and Chris's opinions. Um, I run the BD twos um, that are eight by thirty twos from Koa. Um, that's what I run for turkeys, and and Chris is a seven by thirty two. Um, so yeah, about the same compact pair of binoculars. Um, Chris, you know I I always have to ask what's your 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 field note or your hunting tip for us. So for somebody trying to get into turkey hunting, what's your number one tip or trick? Number one tip or trick, find, find and kiss up to somebody that's got some good property that's got a lot of turkeys on it. <laughs> Be my number one tip. No, but really, um, wherever you're choosing to hunt or whatever you have to hunt or if you're going on public land or whatever, always be the guy that is absolutely first to get out and scout first to get out and locate first to know every little detail you can about the property and you'll be more successful for sure secondly if you are hunting public land try to do the opposite of what most people do almost everyone that is a weekend hunter and we all have jobs and most of us do hunt a lot of weekends but if you possibly can hunt from tuesday to thursday and you'll find that those turkeys they get split up. They get messed with on the weekends. They're they're not likely to gobble much or not likely to do much. Monday, they're kind of getting eased off of. Tuesday, they're looking. Wednesday, they're in Thursday. They're totally vulnerable. And if you'll choose those windows of time, especially on public land, you're going to be hunting birds that are probably much easier to deal with than they are if you're dealing with uh, the crowd on the weekend. Very good. Now, before we go, one more quick thank you to our friends at the John V. Mesh Memorial Scholarship. Um, I, you know, I put a lot of thought into what nonprofits that I will support. 
And this was a no-brainer for me. Uh, John Mesh was a firefighter in the Kansas City area. He died in the line of duty. He had a strong passion for getting people and kids involved in the outdoors. So his brother Jim Mesh, who has become a good friend of mine, set up the John B. Mesh Memorial Scholarship. And what they do is they create learning opportunities for children to get in the outdoors, but they also set up scholarships for those interested uh, in a profession with conservation. They have they have events set up um, to to you know get kids shooting clays or get shit kit get kids shooting bows um, and then fundraising for a scholarship for those going into conservation. Um, it's a beautiful scholarship. I absolutely love the guys. The events are phenomenal. So go check out johnvmesh.org for more information on the scholarship. Chris, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you so much for talking Turkey. Um, it's an exciting time of the year and I personally can't wait um, to get out and chase some birds. Well, I appreciate it, and good luck to everybody. Absolutely. Guys, thank you for listening. You guys have a great week. As always, we want to share in your success, so if you kill a bird this spring, make sure and send us over some pictures. You can send them to Bear Archer. You can send them to myself, uh, but we would love to share in your success. But good luck this spring. Go out there and kill some gobblers. <laughs>